You're listening to Being Well with BU, a Bournemouth University podcast. Hello, I'm your host Ella and I'm joined by my co-hosts and resident BU experts in all things mental health and well-being, Kerri-Ann Randall. Hello. And Karen Butters. Hi. and welcome back to Being Well with BU. It's been a little while since we last recorded a podcast together. Um, So thank you very much, Kerry and Karen, for um, joining me again today. Um, It's, as I said, been been a while since we last spoke and a lot has changed both um, in terms of the national um, COVID situation and also also in BU's response to it. Um, So since we last spoke, campus has reopened. It's been open for about a month or so now. Um, And staff may have gone back, some staff may have not gone back yet. But we're going to talk today a little bit about um, what reopening campus means, what returning to campus means, um, and hopefully how things are going to be, how things are going to be on campus when people return at the start of term, which is not long away now. Um, So I wanted to start by um, asking you, Karen, because you've been kind of coordinating this. What has changed on campus? Okay, crikey, big on list. I'm going to try my hardest to to run through it. But I want to start with um, something that we started with on our very first podcast all those months ago, which was about being normal, it being normal to be anxious. So we talked then about finding our own normal, finding our way through what was a very uh, difficult time for many and continues to be a very difficult time for many. But that's now come full circle. And I wanted to say that it's it's absolutely normal and expected that people will have some anxieties and concerns and worries about returning to campus. Because when the doors closed in March, that's the last kind of vision that many have of our old workplace and the way that we worked. But actually, since then, significant amounts of work have, have been undertaken to um, improve the environment. Clearly, none of us can make it COVID safe because it's not a, a hazard or a risk in my profession that we can now manage completely. But we are doing our very best to make it um, an environment that minimises the risk of, of um, transmission of infection. The basics still apply, so hand washing, uh, physical distancing, some call it social distancing. We're kind of erring more towards physical distancing because we social bunch, so we don't want to distance ourselves socially in that way. Um, but we've got uh, things like uh, a, a raft of signage, so improved signage about what, what we need to do and reminders. Um, we have made some physical changes to environment, so in areas like toilets and showers, we've kind of uh, minimised the numbers and, and made sure that, that sort of cubicles aren't accessible. So we're kind of managing there. I know that's one area where people do have some real concerns about, about uh, risk of transmission. We are awash with sanitizers and sanitizer stations. Um, the, the, the floors have got the, the markers on for physical distancing. We've put signage in things like lifts and, and lift lobbies. Um, one of the key things that people are concerned about is cleanliness. 
we have a different way of uh, cleaning the campus now. We've worked um, incredibly hard. Our estates colleagues have worked incredibly hard with InterServe, which is our, our partner. Um, the campus was cleaned top to bottom. We're doing daily cleans of all surfaces. And each building has like a, a janitor type, it's a bit of an Americanism, but a janitor type um, position whereby an InterServe colleague is available to, to regularly clean what we call kind of touch points. So door handles, you know, handles in um, to areas that would be regularly touched by, by, by staff and students on, on campus. Um, we've assessed all of the rooms. We've reduced the occupancy levels and all of that is available to, to staff and managers on the Internet. We've worked with colleagues like you, Ella, and your team to make sure that the messaging is right and we've got you know regular updated information. We've completed a, a really detailed risk assessment for returning to campus. We've worked alongside the trade unions. And it's a really important point that because both UCU and Unison have have you know held our hand as we've kind of unfolded the weeks to make sure that we've got it right and they and they you'll see. On campus, those that are back, the every building has a poster at the entrance, which confirms our commitment to not only the government guidance but also our commitment with our with our uh, our trade unions. So I'll I'll stop there because I'll bring in other things as we as we go through. But I think what's really important is to acknowledge that you know the vision that people have of when they left is a very different landscape now and and you know what we'd like to do and I know that Kerry has the same the same kind of idea is to encourage staff to come come try come see uh, and just experience it but I'll um I'll stop there that was really helpful thank you Karen um so you've kind of alluded to reduced occupancy rates so what what will campus look like when people go back both staff and students are there going to be I mean, are you going to find all of your colleagues back in the office? Are you going to find lots of students in classrooms? What is that going to be like when term starts? I mean, the, the reduced occupancy rates is a is a really detailed piece of work. Again, and the states have, have led have led the way on this because it's been a a complex um, puzzle, really, in terms of looking at it. So it's it's not ever quite as simple as looking at a square area or a volume of a space and dividing by three and you know, doing doing that calculation, it's much more complex. So what we are doing at the moment, and it, it will continue in that way, is that a, t- a typical occupancy has been reduced to a new amount. And it's, it's sort of roughly around a, uh, somewhere between a third and, and just over a third. Um, and then staff are returning on a, on a rotated type basis. So for full time staff, they might be doing uh, a couple of days in the office and the rest from home to enable as many staff as possible to have that campus experience, but not to over um, exert the kind of numbers that, that we've that we've got there. The other things normally, and I use the word normal, but, you know, pre lockdown, if your office was busy and you wanted a bit of space then you'd go to the staff centre or you'd find a, you know, a, um, a spare desk in a spare uh, PC in the open access centres if you could get in. Um, they've also been reduced. So, you know, the whole the whole campus has been affected in that way. In the open access centres and in the staff centre, uh, in what, what we've done is actually taken away equipment so that you've got the, the natural spacing in between. So campus as a whole is committed to two metre distancing. There are pockets of campus that 
predominantly around kind of practical skills areas for students and staff where we will have to move within two metres but obviously we will we'll be fully risk assessing that and that that work is ongoing in fact I think this week in HSS practical skills sessions have started already so we're already looking at at that in in real time now um, and the other layer is obviously our our decision to make face coverings mandatory in in our circulation spaces so and and for those activities where one meter plus as the government calls it but uh, you know less than two meters uh, face coverings is one of those controls as well so campus you know campus has the same feeling it always had i mean i'm 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 delighted when i get a day on campus because it it makes me feel you know re- remind me of the purpose and remind me of the reason why why we're doing what we're doing um it's just slightly different uh in the same way that life is slightly different so you know restaurant life shopping life um going to your gp or not life out there is different and we have to be following that that kind of pattern Great. Um, so I think we'll stick on the kind of practical side of things for the moment um, before we move on to talking about kind of how people might feel about returning to campus. So if um, how how will people go about returning to campus? I mean, I know there are procedures in place for staff, but can students just come onto campus? Can they turn up? What do they need to have with them? Um, clearly, people will need to take masks unless they are um, unless they're exempt, but how is that kind of going to practically work for people? Um, I'll pick the staff thing up. I'll, I'll leave it to my um, my trusted colleague to do the students. Kerry, I'm sure we'll um, we'll sort that one out. From a staff perspective, they um, we just we just come back. We talk to our line manager. So the steps we've got in place uh, that have been regularly uh, communicated. We decided very early on that we, we would need to um, make some decisions and gather some information on staff in relation to where they are against what the government classed back in June and July as um, kind of clinical vulnerabilities under health or whether they were caring for someone who would meet that criteria. That data gathering has been um, a, a, a huge undertaking, but actually a real positive step forward it, it gives uh, me because it, it's very reduced access in terms of confidentiality as you'd expect but it gives me the opportunity to know exactly which staff fit into which category so if we had to make urgent decisions based on maybe um, something in the future or you know somebody who was unwell or, or um, local lockdown based on things out of our control you know we'd have those staff we'd have those staff that fit that the vulnerabilities and we'd be able to get communication out to them very early on. That doesn't mean that those staff won't ever return to campus. It just means that at the time, and as the government guidelines will evolve, I'm sure, they 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 met a criteria within which the government said where you can remain at home. Um, and I think that's really important because we don't have the we don't have the um the will to exclude staff based on health or health of others nor would we ever want to but we do need to as we committed as I said earlier we do need to make sure that we are kind of following the path set by government and and and, you know it's a difficult one because actually many of those staff play a pivotal role on campus and we we really do need their skills and expertise um, 
to offer what we're calling campus premium you know the full experience the 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 reason why students come to Bournemouth quite frankly um we are as you know and in, in all the communications we are moving into semester one with a kind of a blended learning approach so where we can we will reduce risk and 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 minimize face-to-face teaching but that's not always possible and in fact some of the sessions that are face-to-face provide the richness of experience of university and it's really important that we do what we can to provide them but for staff to return to campus they have done the health screening they have done the reorientation module so those that are clear to return will have done the module they've had a conversation with their line manager and they know when they're working and that's all been agreed and they just come back Um, and I know they'll be anxious some staff have, have um, expressed a concern and they've kind of come in for visits and met up with colleagues. But actually, it's that simple. They go through the three-stage process, health screening module, conversation with line manager, and um, we're off and running, quite frankly, with them. I think in, in respect of students, it's probably a slightly more complex question to answer because each course will have different requirements and, and will have different um, arrangements in place. But um, just, I guess, to give some reassurance for students or any students who are listening around, you know, timetables will come out over the next couple of weeks and you'll, you'll definitely know more then. And there will be a blended offer of remote teaching as well as, you know, on-campus experiences, much as we possibly and safely can do. And Karen and her team have um, have been working really hard to ensure that we, you know, we stick to a risk assessment compliance because it's important that what we do, we do, um, you know, after a rigorous process to ensure that it is safe. That said, you know, all of our services are continuing to be provided. So, you know, it may be remote, it may be the end of the telephone or via sort of Zoom or, or MS Teams, but actually students can still access the services they need to access. And, and that reassurance, really, you know, we're here, we're, we're ready for you, we're here, you know, we're here now, if you want to get in contact with us, um, you will get a response and you, and you will get, a you know, the support that you need. Um, but just bear with us for the next couple of weeks until, you know, we can get the information out to you. The other source of information, of course, is the web pages where all of the, um, the COVID-19 updates and FAQs are all posted and they are updated on a daily basis. So anything that comes out, any uh, message from the vice chancellor or the chief uh, operating officer will go onto that website as well. So please do keep logging in and, and having a quick look. Great. Thank you both. I think that probably covers us in terms of um, some of the practical elements. Um, and Karen just touched upon uh, people feeling anxious about coming back on campus. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit because, you know, I um, this whole time has been, uh, as we said before, quite um, difficult for some people and a time when it's OK not to feel OK. Um, and as we move into this kind of new stage, there will be people that don't feel okay about coming back onto campus who feel scared about that um what can we do to help those people i i think um one of the things that we decided very early on was was about mandatory face coverings and i want it's my last kind of practical bit and i i i should have mentioned it in my last my last um sentence really but um there is something for many that gives a piece of kind of solace and um, protection around a face covering. I mean, they're not they're not always comfortable to, depending on how long you wear them. And, you know, there are some stunning examples out there I've seen. Um, 
I said early on that there ought to be a company that that takes a picture of your face and produces a face covering. And I, I blooming well was told yesterday that apparently that you can get them. So I was like, why I didn't just do something about that early, very early doors. I- they're, they're amazing, Karen. I, I'm very tempted to get one with a beard just to sort of, you know, throw people off. <laughs> What do you mean? Throw people out, possibly. Anyway, um, but but the you know the wearing of them. We've said in the circulation spaces, and I'm sure I'm sure somebody will come up with a a, a snappy little um, one-liner to remind us of that most of the time. Uh, but it's it's important that people also are able to keep them on and wear them whenever they whenever they wish to. You know, if they want to sit at their desk or they want to study in them in the library, whatever. That's absolutely fine. And it's in, I am getting back to your anxious point because actually whenever decisions are made, we kind of have this pause where it's like, okay, we're doing that. And then suddenly another anxiety pops up. So the, so the new anxiety, um, and it's a very, very valid one, is around exemptions to face coverings. So we know that some people uh, would be classed as exempt for a range of reasons. And the interesting thing is that we shouldn't be asking why so some people choose to um not have anything about their person that sort of demonstrates exemption they just don't they just don't wear it and they have their own reasons for that other people may wish to download something from the government website you can either have on your phone as a or um as a little card and we've kind of toyed with the idea of lanyards and badges and things like that but actually you know i think because of the reason that we shouldn't be asking and because of it being being very uh, important for people not to be challenged um it's the new kind of concern about face covering so we're trying to manage that at the same time um and one of the things that has been a constant theme actually in many of the communications is this kind of notion of just taking uh, a thought for the person that you're about to challenge and just be slightly more kinder than possibly you you initially um, may have been at one time because we've we've had some great success with that continuing message I know that um, the video that, that the vice chancellor did as part of the reorientation module talked about you know being kind to each other and, and being tolerant and and just accepting that we're all facing this new way of working staff and students um, for students it's it there's a, you know there's added excitement because it's it's maybe their first first week in university you know ever for the returners it will be a very different environment but still very positive and I think the face covering element of that is a really key factor for many because of their anxieties of not wearing it but also it's got the potential um, to create other new kind of concerns so I just wanted to make sure we covered that here as well that you know it's we're fully behind it but we're also fully behind those those staff or students who feel they they don't they can't wear one or they don't wish to you know to to tell them that actually it, it's okay you know it's okay to make those choices I was gonna, just just gonna say I know we keep on about it about the whole sort of you know it's okay and it's quite normal but it's so true and and, I, and we will keep on about it because I think it's really important that everybody understands you know for themselves and for others that you know, everyone will respond differently. Some people will be quite anxious. Some people will be more than happy to come onto campus and, and will wonder why everyone else has got such an issue with it. And it's that kind of spectrum of support, and it's, sorry, spectrum of response that um, I think is going to be the challenge for us all to, to try and remember. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it it just circles back around to the to the being kind to each other thing that we've talked about plenty in these podcasts. Um, and I guess it also applies to, um, say, colleagues who aren't coming back into the office because they're shielding, but perhaps don't want to talk about the fact that they're shielding or go into why, because these things are often um, quite private and quite sensitive, aren't they? The reasons why you might not be doing something the same as other people. So, so yeah, that's a really important um, point to mention. If, if I may sort of just indulge on it and a little bit of a sort of, I guess, uh, exercise or something that people might find quite helpful. Um, a reminder that anxiety is our sort of body's natural response to stress. And, and that's why we say it's perfectly normal, because it's a, it is a very natural response for us to have. Um, but anxiety sort of leads us to um, leads our thoughts to race. And we start thinking about possible scenarios, the whole kind of like what ifs. Well, what if I touch that handle? What if somebody sneezes, you know, three feet away from me? You know, what what will happen next? What do I have to do? And it's that kind of um, galloping away of thoughts and, you know, worries that takes us out of the present. And we start worrying about things that we have no control over in the immediacy. You know, we, you know, we can't control the thoughts because they're galloping at a speed. And that's perfectly normal. One of the, the techniques that some people who are listening to this will have mastered massively and, and will be saying, yeah, I, I do that and it works really well. And others may not have heard of it, which is called the, the grounding method. And this is, uh, you might hear of it as being referred to as the five, four, three, two, one. And it's really simple. So I'm gonna go through this really, really quickly, but it's important to try, try this as an exercise. And just remember, if you don't remember anything else, remember five, four, three, two, one. So after taking a few deep breaths, you feel your anxiety coming on, take a few deep breaths um, and then open your eyes and look around you and try and pick five things that you can see. So that might be what's in front of you. It might be in the car. So you might be looking at your steering wheel. You might be looking at the sort of, you know, the footwell next to you and your bag that slipped off the sleet and seat sorry, in front of you. Um, it might be the shape of your fingernails. It might be the rings on your finger. It might be, if you're at your desk, the grain of wood on the desk. But pick five things and focus on those five things and really look at those five things in the detail that you can. And then four. Four is four things that you can touch. And again, if you're in the car, that might be the car seat. It might be the buttons on your shirt. It might be the, the cotton on your cardigan or on your coat. If you're in an office, it might be the window panel. It could be the texture of the chair that you're sitting at. But just think about four things that you can touch. You don't have to touch them, but just think about what that would feel like touching. Three, so that's three things you can hear. So taking a, a moment's pause, thinking about actually I can hear the traffic. I can hear some voices outside in another office. I can hear uh, the radio in the distance. I can hear somebody humming somebody hammering a nail into something just three things that you can hear and then two things two things that you can smell so that might be the fragrance uh, of perfume it might just be the fresh air it could be uh, baking somebody making toast it could be the rain the smell of rain as, as it's uh, just fallen and lastly one and that's one thing that you can taste and that might be you might think, God, I can't taste anything, but it may be lip balm, it might be toothpaste, it might be the coffee that you've just had. Once you've done that five, four, three, two, one, you'll find yourself automatically in that sort of in the present, in the here and the, in the now, and hopefully slightly more calmer and then able to sort of progress with, with what you were doing. Take the time, five, four, three, two, one. So that's five things that you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things that you can smell, and one thing that you can taste. 
Brilliant. That's a really great technique, Kerry. Thank you for sharing that. And that might be something that people might want to use um, on campus if they're feeling worried at any point, right? Or if they're worrying about even just going back onto campus. Um, yeah. Really Absolutely. I mean, it's used quite widely in um, not just in therapeutic environments, but in everyday life. And people who know the method will then teach other people about it. And, and that's, I hope, how, you know, that this will progress. But it can be done anywhere. Um, I'm delighted that you that you shared that. I'm also delighted that you added at the point of four bits, four things you can touch that you said you don't actually physically have to touch them. I had I had this sort of thought of having to employ yet more janitorial support in buildings because people were going around kind of touching things. No, it's a really good one. I, I, it's a fantastic thing to share, Kerry. Thank you for that. But I'm, I apologise that I made light of it, but it was, it was great that you. It's important to be really clear on these things. Clearly, like with brain. people like you, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about other sort of practical things about coming onto campus, whether you're staff or students, and and that would be around, you know, plan your journey, plan when you're going to come in, and whether actually it's okay to come in. So you might think I'm going to pop onto campus and I'm going to go into the library. The library might not have the space available because you know everybody's on reduced capacity. You're going to need to book somewhere to work. If you're a member of staff, you know, we will have desks available for all staff and they are going to be sort of arranged and, and organised on a rotor basis. So you may not be able to just turn up and be able to sit at a desk and work because there may not be a desk allocated for you to do that. So planning um, not just your sort of, you know, your journey in, whether you can get the bus, whether you're going to have to cycle, whether you're going to drive in, but also, you know, plan that when you get onto campus that there is, you know, what you're hoping to come onto campus to do, you can actually do. Definitely. And that's something we're all having to do more in um, in day to day life now, isn't it? We have to book for restaurants. We can't just turn up. Um, it's just part of, of COVID with reduced capacity for things. You just have to, to plan things a little bit more than you're, um, you might be used to if you're quite spontaneous. And it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it, that you were sort of having to take a step back and, and think um, and, and plan. But it's... Um, you know, we've, as I said earlier, we've done our very best to provide as much information as we can to to managers and to staff around kind of the reasons why and, and what we're what we're aspiring to. Um, but we're not we're not out to spoil the party. You know, the party will go on and we'll and we really want it to go on. And it's it's really important that 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 staff and managers and colleagues have kind of very open discussions about, OK, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to go in, I'm going to do this. And so maybe we're keeping a kind of a rotor. Uh, in our team and you know we've got the optimum number and the maximum number and and um, you know there's been occasions where sort of at, at, at last minute someone said oh actually I, I need something I need to pop in and so long as you've got that pre-information um, it's different for us because we're in a, a smaller kind of office office space but certainly in a faculty building um, you know there'll be there'll be restrictions on the you know, available space one of the things that we've um we've started to talk about over the last week is is our ability to test some of the controls that we put in place so um you know it's great that start we, we've as you said at the beginning um Ella you know we've been open I think it's a um a month tomorrow I think it was a third of August that, that we opened so so uh that's a, a really good milestone so over the last kind of four four and a bit weeks um there have been a number of staff on on campus, you know, not not anything like the number of staff that are clear to return, but it's also been annual leave and sort of summer months, and clearly children children still off school. Um, 
but I think what we probably need to do is to encourage staff to, you know, make those decisions early, come back onto campus so we can start to test some of those things. So one of the one of the things that we haven't done yet, but we will need to consider, certainly as the number of people on campus increases, is is to consider whether buildings need sort of one way flows around them. Um, it's the it's the only thing of the of the checklist that we haven't yet implemented. It's on the list of things to do, but it it seemed impossible to do when there were kind of half a dozen of us wandering around and and deciding whether or not a um, a particular corridor would be a hotspot for for kind of traffic control. Really, um, we know roughly which buildings are probably more susceptible to tighter confined uh, areas but we won't really know that until we start having having people on board and one of the things that we absolutely need is staff and student feedback so uh, and we can't get that we can't make sure that we've got it right unless staff and students you know when when the undergrads come back uh, in September but we can't we can't really test it and seek feedback until until staff come and test it and, and and tell us what they feel, you know, good or bad. I mean, I, I'm I'm not I'm not in this job for for high praise, but it's also really lovely when staff say, which they have done. I had my first day back on campus today. It's great. Thanks for all the work that's happened. You know, estates team have worked really hard. The conversations, as I said earlier, with the trade unions have been really fruitful and supportive and positive, and um, uh, and we felt safe. You know, uh, I was talking to a manager last week about a particular member of their team, and and this manager said, you know, I I know that that this person just will need to be back just for ten or fifteen minutes in the office environment, and and just experience it, and they'll be fine. But it's it seems like a massive step, you know, since the middle of March, for someone to just think, oh, I know, I'll I'll pop back and go into an environment that I'm. I'm worried about and and I think you know those small tiny experiential type visits will be good it will give us a chance as a sort of a central function to test some of our controls to make sure we've got it right because the last thing we really want is for is for it all to have to happen sort of in the third week of September at pace when you know there are other things that will need to happen on the in those days too so um, I'd, I'd urge staff to, you know, make the leap because it is a safe environment. Lots of things have gone on, but we need we need to for them to experience it and give us feedback. I, I think on a different note, um, but linked to experience and, and for, for students who are joining us for the first time, uh, we are trying really hard to make sure that the experience is as positive as it can be. Um, and just giving you some reassurance, we know it's going to be different to the experience you were expecting or that you were possibly hoping for, um, but we're doing everything we can um, to ensure that we're ready for you and that we can help you have the best experience that you know you are able to under the current circumstances. So just really a plug for colleagues in the accommodation teams because they've been working so hard getting ready for you, um, all of the sort of, you know, the, the social distancing, but also the how they can create social environments for you that are safe so that you can meet friends and that you can meet other students from your course. So please be reassured it is worth coming. You know, we are going to have activities and um, some of them may be virtual, but there will be things that will be very beneficial for you to be here for. Um, and, you know, those of you leaving home for the first time, you know, you are still going to have an amazing experience. 
Um, and if you are worried, you, you know, we're here for you. Um, a lot of students will be feeling quite anxious. And um, again, a plea, you know, just get in contact with us because, you know, we, we know how hard it is. And, um, and we've got all of our services. They're all ready. They're all waiting. They're all excited for your arrival. And um, we just want to, to help you have the best possible start you can. Thank you for listening. That was the last in the Being Well with BU podcast series. But for more Bournemouth University podcasts, you can visit our SoundCloud page or our website. Just head to www.bournemouth.ac.uk.